Good morning again. Did you guys have a good Christmas? You know, it's funny. Gifts at our house are kind of interesting. They're, we usually don't get carried away with gifts, but it's always trying to find out what to give, you know, the person. And so last year, I wanted to give my daughter... Uh, Bluetooth, like a, uh, the jawbone they have, the little box, you know, to play music so that, because they usually, my wife and my daughter, just walk around with their telephone and play the music on their phone. And it makes me crazy. <laughs> you know, being a former musician, it's all about the quality of sound. You know, musicians spend a lot of time and money and effort to get that tone, you know, that sound. I mean, whether it be Brian May from Queen or, you know, The Killers. I mean, you hear a song and you know who it is just by the tone of the song. And so when I hear them listening to music and it's just sitting on their phone, sitting on the counter, I'm like, how can you listen to that? And then so I thought, well, I'm going to get my daughter a little box, a little portable Bluetooth, but I wanted to know what kind she would want, you know, because they have different sizes, so I, I want to know. I don't want to get a big one, even though they give a better quality sound. She might think that's too big, and so she wants the smaller one. And so I told her, hey, I want to get your mom one of these, right? And so we go to Best Buy, and I'm going, out of these, which ones do you like? Which one do you think... Mom would like, oh, I don't know. I think mom would like this one. I go, oh, if you were mom, which one would you want, right? And so we look and I make my decision. I like, okay, this is the one I'm going to get. It's good quality. It was a nice Bose and it sounds great. I sold. My daughter goes home and tells my wife, I got dad one of those little Bluetooth things because he was really into it. (laughs) And so she knows, but at least now, you know, they have it and we all kind of share this little speaker. It goes around, but I'll still catch them listening to their phone, you know, listening to Taylor Swift on their little telephone And I just have to shake it off, shake it off. (laughs) And and so this year, there was a commercial and and it had one of those little fit kind of wristbands that keeps track of your health. And and I saw it and I said, oh, I look like that. And I knew immediately when I said that, that I was going to get that for Christmas. (laughs) Because... My daughter does this thing. She's not here, so she probably won't notice. But when I said, oh, I like that, I saw her head go. And she gives this little twitch, which means keep in your memory, register, right? And so sure enough, I got it, a little fit thing. And it came in the package, and I just knew what it was, you know. And I'm a spoiler. And I say, I know what that is. I'm like, how can you know? It's just, I just do. 
It's a little twist of the head, and I knew, you're going to get me that for Christmas. And so this thing is great. It tells you, you know, how active you are, keeps track of how many calories you burn. And so I'm trying to use that because if I have this information, hopefully I can get healthy. You know, I was walking around, look at it, keeps track of all the steps, and it's got an app on your phone so you can kind of look and see. And look at it's tracking my steps. It's like a jerk, right? I'm just walking like this. Look at this. And it tells if I'm going upstairs. I wonder if it knows if I'm going upstairs or not. I'm seriously, I'm doing this, right? And it does. It knows if you're actually going upstairs or if you're just faking. I don't know how it knows, but it knows. But it keeps track of these things so that you can take control of your life. That's the whole idea. It tells you how much water you're supposed to intake. And every time you drink and you input the water, this little picture of water in the person goes up. And it tells you how many calories you should eat. And so you eat a breakfast burrito, you're done for the day. <laughs> that's it. It's celery and water from now on. And that's all you get. But the whole idea is if you have this information, you can take charge of your life, get healthy, get on track, get fit. That's the name. And I think so many times if we would recognize, if we could just understand and get a glimpse of what our lives are supposed to be, we could actually begin to take charge. We could actually begin to live those lives. And we, we've gone through this year, I was looking back and we, we began this year going through the book of Genesis, our beginning series. And because Genesis was a long book, it, it took a while. I'd wanted to end it sooner, but it was just too good. I mean, not my talks were too good. The book was too good. Okay. I'm not just, yeah, those talks were amazing. You know, it was just a, a great book. So many incredible stories to learn from. And as we went through that, we moved into our core values and we talked about those things that make Genesis what Genesis is. And we are going to talk about those core values again. We want to keep reminding ourselves of those things. And then we also did a series on momentum, talking about how the momentum of our past sometimes carries into our future and we can actually change our momentum for the better and not just allow it to take us wherever it goes. We also did a series on believe and then our advent series and boom, that was a year. It just happened. And so now we're in this awkward time after Christmas, before the new year. And so today I'm just going to kind of talk about the, what I want to talk about. I'm going to look back and just kind of reflecting on some of the things that have happened over this year and what I, I feel is important for us to recognize so that we can take charge of our lives. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures or on your phone, turn to Matthew chapter 16. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand if you need the paper kind and someone will get that to you. Keep your hand up and then Val will get that to you. And we're in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This starts off in Caesarea Philippi, which is remote part of the north. It's kind of like we, we're getting out of town. It's like going up to Big Bear or something. We're, we're going and removing ourselves from the crowd. And then here is where Jesus has this dialogue with them. And when he asks them the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? Their idea, the Son of Man, is this person who is supposed to come as a king. And he is supposed to come and establish authority. And so in the Hebrew mind, this, this term was loaded. The Son of Man had a purpose. He was supposed to come and set things right. And Jesus is basically saying, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? But he's asking them in a general sense, kind of, feeling them out. It's not that he didn't know. He wanted to hear their thoughts on this. And so he asked them, who do people say the Son of Man am? And so they give him these ideas. They, they start telling him. Some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And it wasn't that they were believing in reincarnation. Well, you know, the Son of Man is just these people again. It's the office that these people held. It was the type of presence that they brought with them. John the Baptist had this idea of a prophet, one of the other prophets. And these are all prophets that are very bold. Okay, They're a very in-your-face kind of prophet. This isn't someone who's just a nice guy, takes it slow. John the Baptist was out there calling Herod out. These prophets were people who made an impact, who, who went before kings and confronted them. And so as they give this list of names, it's a powerful list. Well, here's what the Son of Man is like. He's like John the Baptist. He, he's like Elijah. He's like Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. He's someone who is bold. He's someone who's going to bring about change. And then Jesus presses in further. And he asks them, who do you say that I am? And then Peter's response is, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This in the Hebrew mind brought things to a very clear point. Because the Messiah was going to be king. And you see, there were a lot of people who were around saying that they were the Messiah. But once word got out that so-and-so says he's a Messiah, the hammer came down. Rome, is, Rome isn't going to have anyone asserting themselves as king, and neither are the Jewish authorities. So once you say you're the Messiah, they're on the hunt for you. 
And that's why he's up in Caesarea Philippi. He's remote. Yeah, we're going to have a little conversation, but this isn't to get out. And at the end, he charges them. Don't tell anyone that I'm the Messiah, because once we say that, everything's going to fall. But Peter makes this declaration. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You are the king that God has foretold that is promised. And what is so interesting is Jesus' response afterwards isn't, yes, that's right, I am. You called that one right. His response is actually towards Peter. And when he talks to Peter, he says, you're blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my father in heaven. And then he goes on and he says, I tell you that you, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Wow. Now, there's been a lot of controversy about this passage because a lot of people are fearful because of the Roman church, the Catholic church. They believe that Peter is, you know, the first pope. And so there's been a lot of pushing away. Well, you are Peter, which means a rock, but on this stone, or actually you're Peter, a stone, and on this rock I will build my church. But the word Peter that's used and the word rock that is used are really similar. And it's almost like Abram and Abraham. They're different names, but they're similar. And here, this stone, Peter, and this rock, Petros, are very similar. And on this, I'm going to build my church. And I, I've heard people say, well, you know, Peter, what you have said is the rock that I'm going to build my church on, which is I am the Christ, but I really think something more is taking place here. Even in J.B. Phillips' translation and other commentaries, they talk about what Christ is doing is not just saying, Peter, what you have declared is true. He's saying, Peter, the truth that you have declared is now the truth that is going to take hold of you and is going to now shape the world to come. And I am going to shape the world through you. Peter, on what you've declared and on what you believe, it is changing you. And that is what I'm going to use to change the world. In fact, the gates of Hades cannot overcome it. And when you think of something not being overcome, if, if the gates of Hades is not going to overcome this truth, that means that this truth is actually going to overcome the gates of Hades. And see, what, what Jesus is doing is calling Peter to a life that he probably never had imagined. Peter, on you, I am going to build the church. Not just Peter specifically, but those who believe that I am the Christ and the son of the living God, I am going to build my church. Those who 
hold this truth are going to take on a new identity of humanity and this is going to change the world. And it's so interesting that after Peter gives a declaration, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the King that was promised. Jesus says, yeah, that's true. God has revealed that to you and I'm going to use you to change the world. I think something frightens us when we hear that kind of talk. No, no, Jesus is going to change the world. How is Jesus going to change the world? By changing you. That's how God changes the world, is by changing people. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Something is changing. The world is changing by the change that takes place in people. And so as Christ tells Peter this, he is actually empowering him of his position. He's telling him, this is who you are and this is your job. This is your agenda. And his agenda isn't just a simple one. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I don't know exactly what that means. But it sure sounds cool. It sure sounds powerful. I mean, we got a lot of glimpses on ideas of what it could be. You know, one other gospel, he says, you know, whoever sins you loose, they will be loose. Whoever sins you retain. It has the idea of carrying this message, this gospel to the world. But it's giving you the keys of the kingdom. There's no doubt about what he's saying. He's saying, Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Think about that. If you've got keys to your house, who do you give them to? You give them to hopefully someone you trust, right? Someone you know, maybe a family member, maybe your mom, your brother. Well, maybe not. Depends on your brother, you know. You're kind of selective because whoever you give this key to, they have access to your home. They can come in, use the refrigerator, do whatever they want in your home. If you're not there, they have access. And so in this remote part, up away from everybody, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. And he says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, he's going to be like... You know, John the Baptist, he's going to be like Elijah, like Jeremiah. He's going to be like one of the prophets. Well, who do you say I am? You're, you're the Messiah. You're it. You're the son of God. You're, you're the king that God has promised. And in their mind, that was going to take rule and that was going to set up the authority, get rid of the Roman oppression and establish a new reign, a new government. That's you. You're the one who holds the key. And then Jesus takes that key and he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. And on you, I'm going to build my church. How does that make you feel? 
that Jesus would take the keys to the kingdom and give them to you and say, here, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I want to build the kingdom of God on you. It's like checking and saying, okay, how many calories do I have left today? Okay, I can still, I know where I'm at. Jesus is telling you where you belong. Now, the the question to us is where do we go and what do we do with the key that's been given to us? Because this key that he talks about being given to Peter is the key that is given to everyone who has this same faith, who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Everyone who has this solidarity is a part of this family and gets the key. It wasn't exclusive to Peter. And isn't it great that the next passage in Scripture, Jesus rebukes Peter and says, Satan, get behind me. Because Peter goes and says, I'll never let you die, Jesus. I'll die for you. Jesus says, you don't know what you're talking about. Get behind me, Satan. I'm so glad that that's in there. Because like Peter, you are going to fail. Like Peter, you are going to fall. But it does not negate your responsibility. If you hold on to this truth, then God is building the kingdom of God upon the truth that you hold within your heart. And so we need to take stock. And as we look at our lives, and I look back at 2014, and man, it just goes quicker and quicker. I I think of the things that I've done. I think of the things that we've done as a community. And there's some good things. But if we've been entrusted with the keys of the kingdom, are we doing enough? Could we do more? Could we be more? And and as I look ahead to 2015 and I recognize, okay, if this is the position I've been given by Jesus, then what am I going to lose? What am I going to bind? What am I going to bind in my own life? What things? I'm going to bind that covetousness, that that lust. I'm going to bind that greediness. I'm going to bind that complaining. I'm going to bind that attitude. What am I going to lose? I'm going to lose generosity. I'm going to lose love. I'm going to let loose creativity and and get rid of the things that are going to hold me back from sharing this incredible news. I'm going to look for ways so I can take this kingdom message to the people at my work, to my friends, to my family. I want to set it loose. Because that's mine to do with. We've each been given a little fit bracelet. And it says, this is where you're at. This is where you are, how you are, and this is your potential. What are you going to do with that? And you see, transitions are are always interesting. When we move from 2014 to 2015, you know, it's just another day. 
sun is still where it's at. The earth is still orbiting. It's just going on like everything else. But something happens when we start thinking about, okay, years past. There's a concept in our mind that, okay, things are moving and it's this chance for a new beginning. And even as the seasons change, you know, after winter, there comes that spring where things come back to life. And there's that season where Maybe you've been living and things have been dead. And there's a transition. 2015, I'm going to make it a good year. I'm going to get that fit and I'm going to keep in shape and I'm going to eat my proper quota and I'm going to drink enough water and I'm going to make a transition. I'm going to, you know, have that new just, man, this is my chance. And we always like the idea that we can make a change. It always fills us with hope. Well, I can make a new resolution. I I can change. 2015, that's it. Next week, it starts. All right, eat all the candy you can this week because next week, it starts. I tell you, since Halloween, that's been my downfall. Just took that one candy, that one Butterfinger, and it was just like... These are amazing. Why did I ever stop eating these? And it just snowballed into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh my gosh. And then finally, Karina and I are just like, okay, we've got to stop. I'm waking up in a food coma every day. It's like, oh, oh, what happened to me? I don't know, I ate a half dozen cookies, some chocolate and pasta and turkey, the whole thing. Okay, gotta stop, gotta stop, gotta, gotta change this before it changes me. And the same thing happens to us spiritually. Sometimes you gotta change this before it changes you. The keys to the kingdom are in your hands. Are you just setting them on the table? Okay, great. I got the keys to the kingdom. They're on the table. I'm going to kick back. Watch TV. Or do you have the keys to the kingdom? You say, no. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to check the place out. And I'm going to loose some stuff. I'm going to make some damage. I'm going to change the world. You know, whenever I say things like change the world, I always get in a little conversation with my wife. She goes, why do you have to start so big? What does that mean to change the world? You know, what is that? I mean, how am I going to change the world? You know, Change the world around you. That's where you start. It's a big world. There's lots of change needed. But start where you're at. Start with the people you interact with. Start with how you're living. Because that's where it's got to start. And if every one of us changed the world around us, 
it makes a difference. And that's the whole idea of community, is that we each are becoming this work of God. We've each been entrusted with the keys to the kingdom. We, we each have this truth. We are changing how humanity looks because we are changing how we look. I don't need to live like that. I have a calling in my life to be someone that people can look at and see truth. See what love looks like displayed through me. Show what it looks like to be a person who isn't power hungry, selfish, jealous. In a world that's filled with jealousy. You see, the world is crying out to see hope lived out. Where are they going to see it if it's not in us? We've been given the keys. And so many times we are living beneath the potential that God has given to us. We just don't want to keep track of those calories. It's just easier to ignore it. It's easier to do what we want. It's easier to give in to just the desires that would destroy us. And instead of taking the responsibility that's been given to us, and what we do is we paralyze our lives by failing to take charge of them. And we ask God, God, why won't you do anything? And God looks at us and says, because you won't do anything. I can't do anything if you won't do something. Because I've given the keys to you. We're waiting for God to move and he's put the ball in our court. And I, I think it's easier to see sometimes in others' parents. We see it in our kids. You know, one of our children tested with a super high IQ. And whenever we tell people, they go, really? <laughs> we always tell them, you're a genius. And I can see it. I can see you're smart. I can remember debating you when you were eight years old of why you shouldn't go to bed right now. And you had some good arguments. You were very articulate at eight years old and and reasoning and figuring things out. I see brilliance there, but as parents, we always say, oh man, they could do so much. And we always, why don't you do more with what you have? I see it in friends, people I know. I see people who are gifted and just have so much potential. I go, man, this person, she could make such a difference. She has such a, a way of communicating with people, but you know what? It's not what she wanted to do. She took a different road. And now she's not having the impact for the kingdom. I look at him and I said, man, you could do so much. You have so much energy and you have such great ideas and you have such a great heart. Why did you have to go and do that and destroy your ability to do more? 
and we're our own worst enemies. And I'm no longer surprised by the things that people will do. I I get phone calls and I hear things, yeah, so-and-so did this. You know, they have a gambling problem. They spent, they sold their car to get money, sold this to get drugs, had an affair, left his wife, left his children, took his life. I'm not surprised anymore because I've heard it so many times. But I am tired of it. I'm tired of people not living to the potential that God has given to them. He gives us the keys to the kingdom and we still stay in our shacks. He's given us potential to change the world around us, but we just want to be happy. We just want to be comfortable. And there are people who are waiting for you, waiting for me to make a difference in the world that they live in, in the world that we share with them. And if we would bind the things that need to be bound and loose the things that need to be loosed, we would see the miraculous take place. You know, one of our theme verses here at Genesis is Joshua 3.5, Sanctify yourselves to the Lord, and tomorrow he will do amazing things in your midst. If you will bind the things that need to be bound and loose the things that need to be loosed, God will do the miraculous. But the keys are in your hands. I was thinking about this. I was thinking somewhere we had a junk drawer or I've got keys. You guys have keys that you don't know what they go to, but you're afraid to throw them away because you know Somewhere there's a lockbox with life serum in it, you know. (laughs) Where's the key? I threw it out. I was going to ask everyone to get keys and bring them here, and we'd all just get a key and just as a symbol take it and say, this is the keys to the kingdom. And recognize that just as Christ called Peter and says, what you got there, I can build on that. Oh, Peter, you're a rock I'm going to build the church on. Doug, you're a rock I'm going to build the church on. Michael, you're a rock I'm going to build the church on. Alex, Gabe, Joe, Terry. I'm not going to say all your names. <laughs> you're a rock I'm going to build the church on. And hell will not overcome you. No, you're going to loose things and change the world. Don't settle for anything less. 2015, let's impact our world. The world we live in, the people we encounter. Change the world where you're at. We'll collectively do that as we can as well. As we're beginning some works in Mexico, 
excited to see what happens. I go in a couple of weeks down to La Paz where a new church has started that we've kind of been a part of just engaging them. I wonder what God's going to do there. I wonder what God's going to do here with us. And so let's look back and say, that was great. That's good. But let's look forward and say, there's something we hold. It's a truth. That Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the King. And let's recognize the King has given us keys to his kingdom and let's move forward with those keys let's pray father we do thank you lord for again your goodness lord how you care for us with our weaknesses and all and still would entrust us with something so beautiful and so powerful. And Lord, for those of us here who know that there are things in their lives that need to be bound, there are addictions, there are some bad attitudes, some habits, there are some problems with other people that need to be resolved and restoration needs to take place, Father, may we not allow those weaknesses to keep us from moving forward. May we recognize them. May we deal with them. May we call them for what they are. May we get the help that is necessary. But more importantly, Lord, may we move forward with the task that is at hand. And Lord, there are things that we would like to see take place in our lives or in our families or in our places of work. There are things that we would like to accomplish. Our, our hearts get stirred every now and then. Maybe even this morning as I've been talking, some people have had some thoughts that they'd like to see this take place. They'd like to maybe start this kind of nonprofit or this kind of help ministry or serve in some way. Lord, I pray that they would be loosed in those things and that they would move forward with those things that you've put on their hearts, God. And Father, I pray that together as we believe this truth that you are the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God and you have come here to redeem us to change us. Lord, you have given us all this checklist and helped us to see where we're at. You've given us a little bracelet that says, look, this is where you are. You've given us your scriptures that help us to be a mirror that reflects where we need change and where we need to grow. You, You have revealed these things to us, God, and you've done it for a purpose. Lord, you reveal sin not just to put us down. You reveal sin to lift us up. Lord, whatever has been taking place in our hearts here this morning, we unleash to you. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in your people. Lord, that you would bless them. And you'd be honored in our lives as we live for you. 
Would you stand with me? May the Lord give you eyes to see the potential that he's placed in you. May your lives be abundant with the life that God gives. May you take hold of the keys of his kingdom and make it a reality where you live. God bless you.